much horror business driving late at night. Psycho 78, 12 o'clock, don't be late. I said all this horror business, my mirrors are black for you. You don't go in the bathroom with me. Psycho 78. All right. I'm ready to get started. I'll let you. I'll let you rip. I'll let you. I'll let you do it up. Let me do it. All right. Greetings and salutations. This is Justin Lore, and you're listening to another thrillingly good episode of Horror Business. As always, I'm joined by Liam O'Donnell. I like the idea that it's thrillingly good. Yeah, notice how excited I I was. It's thrilling. It's Wednesday. It's gray and blah. It is. The the weather is not encouraging. Not at all recently. Like, uh, it's rained forever. I mean, it it, it hasn't... It's been raining since I was born, apparently. (laughs) That's how it feels. But... it's it's a bit much. It's not April right. weather at all. No, no, no. Well, and it's also not April. It's May. <laughs> just putting that out there. That's even <laughs> that's even worse. Then just put put it out there. April showers bring more May showers. This is the sort of golden repartee. Yes, you, this is you come to this this amazing podcast for. This is the chemistry, the hey, real chemistry. It's been a bit since we recorded. Apologies if you've been. Yeah, waiting there's there's a lot breath. there's a lot to unpack. It's been like easily a month and a half since we've recorded, and there's been a lot of. Not not a lot in volume, but a lot of... I've had a lot of... Uh, don't think I've forgotten about 10 Cloverfield Lane. I fucking haven't. I haven't forgotten about that Did we, did we never discuss we that? We never discussed it. Oh, man. So, yeah, we're going to talk about that. It's not really horror-related, but I do feel it's... Uh, it's vaguely horror-related. Yeah, but before we do that, uh, before we get on... Before I start rambling about my personal opinions yeah. on shit... We have we have some promotional stuff. I, I, I want to say... I'll do the... Uh, let me do this first, John, just because... Uh, this past weekend, we were at X-Fest, uh, Cinepunks was, and Justin wasn't able to come because he hates Philadelphia. No, he was working. <laughs> Philadelphia every weekend. Yeah, I know. Um, but I just wanted to say thank you. This is We're recording this before I get a chance to a Cinepunks. So I wanted to say thanks to everyone who came out. A couple of people specifically mentioned this podcast, Horror Business, and uh, said that they appreciate it. So we appreciate you. Um, mm, we and I'm, do. And I'm not usually in the business of uh, promoting other podcasts, but uh, at this... Uh, at this event, there was a guy handing out these killer pins, just awesome pins. Um, the one that I have over there is uh, of Cropsy from The Burning. Oh, that's who I was looking at. I was like, is that David Cronenberg from... No, no, no. No. Cropsy from The Burning. Uh, and his podcast is called Say You Love Satan. Uh, I, I honestly haven't listened to it. I have no idea if it's I, any good. I like it. I like the... Stickers them is a little Fulci right there. That's yeah, cool. yeah. But I, you know, if someone gives you a high quality pin that moves, by the way, Cropsy's hedge trimmers come down. So, uh, and then oh there, God, there was also a there was a leather face pin he had where the chainsaw moved. That's just sick, and I just appreciate that. And I, you know, I, I don't feel like that many other podcasts have just been like, I have no reason to say this, but you should go listen to horror business. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to start doing that. We're going to, we're going to be the positive. We're, yeah. Ones. We're, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to remove ourselves from the muck of the, yeah. the rest of them. We're going to rise up, rise above. I also grabbed some flyers and stuff. There's some upcoming events. We think if you don't know, you should know about. And if you don't know, you're about to know. I'm going to tell you about them. <laughs> there's also, what's this? this oh, the right, unicorn, right, right. So, my, my, my best friend's exorcism. So tell me more. There's an author out of Philadelphia. I think he's out of Philadelphia who wrote a book. that got a lot of, hype a little while ago that was 
Oh, I don't even remember what it's called, but it's a it's about a haunted IKEA. It got a lot of write ups. He gave away one of the books in an Exhum event. Um, he seems like a nice guy. I got to talk to him a little bit. He's a nice dude. He has a new book coming out called My Best Friend's Exorcism. Uh, he was giving out these stickers that have a unicorn on a pentagram. This, yeah, it's, this is like, it's like a friendly looking unicorn. You're like, oh, that's so, so oh, it's an, it's, it's an upside down pentagram. It's a sigil of old Nick. That's the devil. That's a euphemism for the troll <laughs> scratch. You're always giving us a real country feel. You've always I, got I know, that authenticity. I've, I've been told that before. I've, I've been told that I, I bring a, a level of a uh, folkiness. To wherever I go. You're very folksy. I am folksy, yeah. Full of wisdom, too. <laughs> what are some of these events we have over here? And then there's, there, this is really cool. There's the Mahoning Drive-In stuff, which if you haven't mm-hmm. been to the Mahoning Drive-In, cease posing and go immediately because it's amazing. Yep. There's one that's on June 24th and June 25th. They're showing the first night is Piranha, which if you don't, I'm not going to explain what it's about. I'll give you a hint. It's about Piranhas. Star Crash, which looks amazing. And then Screamers, which what, I was looking at this before and I was wondering out loud, is this like the Peter Weller sci-fi movie that takes place in space? That movie was amazing, and I haven't seen it since I was a little kid. So maybe it's not amazing, but I, I'd like to see it. And then on Saturday the 25th is Rock and Roll High School, The Big Bird Cage, and Hollywood Boulevard, shamelessly loaded with sex and violence. That's the, that's the tagline. <laughs> uh, and then the second Mahoning drive-in is this is one I'm looking forward to because I'm an unapologetic John Carpenter fan. Mm-hmm. Not that I like who it's like the most, that's the most safe thing I could say on a hard podcast. I don't give a fuck who judges me. I love John Carpenter. Like, yeah. <laughs> Un- unfortunately, I feel like, uh, there are people and there's no people. There's robots and who don't like John replicants Car- of, um, they're not, you can't be a human being and uh, har- har- I like horror movies and not like John Carpenter. That's fair. So, Friday, July 29th at the Mahoning Drive-In. It's a triple feature of Escape from New York. They live in Assault and Precinct 13. And then the following night on July 30th, it's Carpenter movie. And then Big Trouble in Little China and a special surprise screening of a John Carpenter classic. My money's on either Halloween or Prince of Darkness. Oh, yeah. I, I'd like to see Prince of Darkness on the big screen. Sure. Um, Mahoning Drive-In's awesome. I, I actually, uh, my girlfriend and I, our first date was there. We went and saw the thing and they live... She hadn't. She had seen neither of them, and I was just like salivating at the thought of seeing her see the thing for the first time. But unfortunately, as Liam can attest, that night a horrible pea soup fog rolled in and ruined the experience for everyone. So I, we had to leave. I made her. I made her wait until you know the maybe we're at war with Norway scene, and then we couldn't see it, so we just drove away. <laughs> um, but yeah, you should go to this. That's enough of me rambling about my personal life. You should go to this. The Mahoning Drive-in is it's it's an amazing place. It's very. I don't mean to sound, uh, you know, bougie, but it's it's very authentic. It's it is a very authentic yeah. experience. It's not like Becky's is fun, but the Mahoning is. It, well, I I think the experience of Becky's is different. Like with Becky's, you are not getting. I mean, the Mahoning has this classic drive-in feel, but you're also getting the quality of what you're actually seeing. Like it's programmed better, whereas. Uh, Becky's is just normal movies. Yeah, yeah. That's that's like I, I went there um a few years ago around Halloween. They played uh Halloween, The Shining, and some James Wan horror film. Sure. And it was like it was cool, but it was like, you know, these like HD prints of which you know me, I ugh, it's not standard definition, get it away from me. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny as as someone who seems to be eschewing Blu-ray for some crazy reason <laughs> that you aren't someone, you're not also though a film hound. Like you don't, 
you're not someone who like travels because you're just like I hear there's a print of blah blah blah. So I'm if, go rest assured, if I had money and time, I would fucking be that guy. Oh really? I would be Norman Reedus from that John Carpenter movie where he's like. Yeah. Let me jump in real quick here, too, and say uh, the Mahoning Drive-In is going to have a number of exhumed ev- events. Those were the two flyers I grabbed, but the, a flyer I did not grab because it's the weekend of my wedding, but you should know about it, is Zombie Fest 2. Uh, the, the last weekend in May, they're doing a series of zombie films that are booked by Exhumed. Um, I would recommend you go check it out. Uh, like I said, I didn't grab that flyer because I didn't want a reminder that uh, oh, that dude, conflicts with my wedding. I, I don't even want, don't even bring because I'm I'm not I'm going to Liam's wedding. So I think I found out about your wedding because I was like Liam, they're doing fucking three days zombie fest, yeah. And he's like, I'm getting married that weekend. And it was like you could hear the record scratch and I'm like oh fuck it. Well, I mean, technically you could go Friday and Sunday. Yeah, I guess, but it won't <laughs> be the same. I I might I might go Sunday. We don't actually have plans. I don't know what we're doing. You know what? If you go Sunday, let me know. Okay, we'll okay. see. Keep going. Okay, and then we have uh, another Exhumed Films. This is going to be at a p- International House. We have uh, the Empire Pictures Marathon. A lot. There's a well, There's like three Stuart Gordon movies. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of Lovecrafters. We have Reanimator, starring Jeffrey Combs, who we'll be talking about. Uh, Eliminators, Crawl Space, From Beyond. Shout out to Evan Valella. He and I. That's our favorite uh, Stuart Gordon movie. Uh, and then Dolls. Wow, mm-hmm. if Dolls, that's 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 an underrated Gordon movie. And then I don't know if it's on there, but they're so I guess someone made a documentary about Empire Films. Yeah, and so they're showing the documentary as well. And the documentary, it's not out yet. Like oh, c- 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 Celluloid Wizards and Video Wasteland in yep. in the Video Wasteland. Okay, yeah, and it's definitely a. It's not a finished. You'll be seeing a preview version. The official premiere of the final cut is at a film festival in a little bit. But this is like a, hey guys, this is what I have so far. And uh, the screenwriter, I think, of Reanimator and From Beyond is going to be there. That's cool. Yeah. So that's I, I might I might have I might have to drag my girlfriend to this. And for those of you who are uh, horror fest fans uh, or horrorthon, I guess would be the better uh, nomenclature. This is where you want to be because tickets are going to go on sale at this event and they're going to be at last year's price. So this year, Horathon's going up to 50 bucks. Mm. Uh, honestly, because they have a couple of prints they're showing that they had to pay higher prices for for licensing. I got to do that this year. So it's going up to 50 bucks. But if you go to Empire Records and you buy your Horathon tickets at the Empire Records, Empire Records, Empire Films event, they're $45, which was last year's price. So uh, I think that's worth You're it. Saving personally. $5. Yep, and you're getting them in advance. I mean, this thing sells out. Harathon last year sold out in like two hours. So That's nuts. Yeah. Uh, and there's one last event, and yes. this is a shout-out to someone who I really appreciate. This is the Hudson Har Show 13, um, presented by the B-Movie Vault. A lot of cool stuff here. We have uh, Dolomite, presented by Vinegar Syndrome. So shout-out to the dudes in Vinegar Syndrome. Yeah, what's up? I was lucky enough to talk to them at uh, the uh, Monster Mania. Oh, right, 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 cool right. Guys. Yeah, you told me that. Um, and then we have Jaws 2. Yeah. A Nightmare on Elm Street, that's cool. Nightbreed, the scariest David Cronenberg movie, even though it's not, you know, he's in it, he's terrifying. And then plus two mystery movies. Ooh, I wonder what they'll be. I'm going to go ahead and say that one of them is not uh, Pure Luck starring Martin Short. (laughs) Or Dunstan Checks In. Uh Recording note, one ear of my earphones just stopped working. (laughs) Okay, uh, so... 
the the Chris from Hudson Hart Show is just one of the nicest guys, and I just felt like I wanted to promote him because he seems like such a great dude. So yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, if you have the wherewithal to get up to the Hudson Valley area for that, oh, that's on that is on uh, May. That's on Saturday, May fourteenth. And where is it actually? Where is the actual location? Empire South Hills. That's in Poughkeepsie, New York. Poughkeepsie. Poughkeepsie. Yeah, Poughkeepsie. It's in <laughs> Paul Keepsie. Paul, it's Paul in Keepsie the Paul Yeah. Okay, so I feel like that's that's all those announcements. I know we wanted to take a, a quick moment here. Um, it, you know, it's been a few weeks. And it has. Everyone has talked on everything that they have access to about Prince passing away. Yeah. Um, but I think that those few places where they didn't mention it, they're just like, yeah, we don't need to deal with that. I kind of am uh, irrationally judging those people. You're, no, you are... You are rationally. They deserve. They they are guilty, and they shall be judged. Like <laughs> so, so, you may be sick of hearing about it, but we wanted to talk about it just yeah, a little bit. I mean, it, it's uh, it's my love of Prince is no secret. Um, I uh, his music. I mean, it, it's it's like lyrically it, when it, when when I, when I get sad, which is all the time. Um, lyrically, I've always been the Smiths and Morrissey person to turn to, but Prince's actual music has always been. It's just this, like, I, I, I mean, the first note, the first chord of like "Purple Rain," you hear that, and it, it, it to me, it, it's always, it's instantly like, oh my god, like, I mean, I, I, I made, I, I made a, a, a tweet, like a joke about this that some people didn't really find appropriate, but whatever. Like, I will probably die of either, you know, heart disease, suicide, or crashing my car while singing along to Prince. Like, I mean, it's at least once a day. Um, I put, I, I, I would put his music on in the car and him dying is just like, I mean, I never got to see him live. So it's like that, that, that is generally going to haunt me for the rest of my life. Like it, it, it really is like, I don't know. He just, there's no one else like him. Like there's no one else out there. There's no, there's no pop star with that. Uh, the, the genuine mystique, not like the, the dumb, like manufactured controversy, no pun intended. I mean, it was like Prince, it was like the real deal. He was like like an enigma, and it's, it's just, it feels like that is like gone now, and it's like, and it'd be like it finding out that Bigfoot was real, and yeah. the last one was killed, and he's gone now. Like, it's, yeah. um, and we were lucky enough, was last Monday, we mm-hmm. went and saw Purple Rain in the theaters, and it was just like, I don't know, like, I, I, I just, to, to, to put it like the way it was, is like, if you don't understand the enigma of Prince, then no amount of me explaining it is gonna really drive it home for you. And it's like when we're in the we're in the movie theater for the most part it was like I felt this like weird camaraderie with everyone in there cuz it was like we know why we're here. And usually I don't feel usually at a normal ass movie theater with a normal ass audience I'm like fuck all of these. Yeah, movies. I feel no connection but here it was just like we're all here because like you know, we all love. And it's not just like I mean his 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 first like six records are like undeniably like a classic. But I mean before we start the part the podcast Liam just had on was it was that Spotify or no? No, that's just my collection. It, it, Liam's collection and just Starfish and Coffee came on and I was like, I know the words of this. I love this song. It's so good. Like, you know, telling my girlfriend it was like, you know, like everyone talks about like, oh, you know, Prince songs like Kiss, that's the song to fuck to. That's the song you get freaky to. I'm like, no, if you've never if you've never done what you do in the dark to tell me how you want to be done, you're a fucking poser. <laughs> <laughs> you're a fucking poser. <laughs> And you should put on right now, tell me how you, letter you, want to be done. 
because it's the greatest song like or like oh, i don't even i i can't i'm, I'm just like it, it was it, it, it's it's an insane loss like basically what i've done for the past like two weeks since he's died if i'm watching like live performances of like the snl where they do did you see that the 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 performance they did yeah. it was uh he did like party up it was his first performance oh no yeah i i literally watching that performance of party up i looked at susan and i said well, I guess I know what my next tattoo is. And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, down with war, party up. Like, <laughs> that's, you should live your life. Yeah. That's like a mantra you could die for. Oh my God, yeah. Down with war, party up. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, okay, is party up like a goofy song in some ways? Sure. But it's like, that's who Prince is, that he's like, oh yeah, this is an upbeat party song in which I happen to mention the fact that we're destroying our planet yeah. for conflict and bullshit. And that's, that's what I, I mean, even like, I, I, know, I, I know Liam Liam is not a vegan or a vegetarian, but as a vegan, one thing I loved about Prince was he always got the message across, a message that yeah. I loved, and he did it, like, the one song, Joint to Joint, he just like, it's a song, sh- shockingly, it's a Prince song about fucking, I know, those are so few and far between. And at one point, he just says, like, I, I forget the exact line, but he's talking like, you know, you probably think you're my soulmate now, and that sucks, but you can't even tell what my favorite kind of cereal is. It's Captain Crunch with soy milk. And then there's, <laughs> and then he proceeds to sing the next couple lines through a mouth of Captain Crunch. <laughs> it's just like, that's why I love Prince, is like, it's like he, he, he made a point without being a fucking asshole about things. Yeah, I mean, I think with... Um it's hard because a lot of people have passed away this year and I guess there was some disconnect for some folks. Like there are people who are obviously more broken up about someone like David Bowie. But for me, the thing with Prince passing that's hard is a like he's so young yeah, and it's so still mysterious. And of course the moment someone even like said like, Oh, maybe it's drug related. The media is like, yeah, that's right. Fucking addict. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, drama. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, like I don't, Honestly, here's the thing. We are two edgemen who do Proud not edgemen. do not support drugs. And yet, if someone was like, well, I don't know. Turns out Prince was on drugs. I'm like, you know what? Prince can do what he fucking wants. Fuck he you. Made, he made, oh, I mean, ha- have you heard controversy, people? The man <laughs> can do what he wants. Like. <laughs> I mean, the, the reality is just, uh, it's sad. He, he, he passed away young. He was still doing work. I mean, I guess in comparison to like Bowie, like Bowie was still doing work too. But in a way... Bowie kind of cheated death, right? Like he did an album about dying that he managed to get out right before he died. Like, yeah, that's so amazing. And he was, he was, you know, he was young by today's standards, but he wasn't young. No, Prince that, is like, well, uh, again, he's not like age. youthful, like, but he's young for someone yeah. to just pass. And he was still doing work. And I guarantee you, still, he would have put something out in the next year. Yeah, that you would have been like, oh shit, Prince. Like, Prince yeah, I mean, we were. I, I was, uh, you know, driving in the Philly that, and I, I put on a Hit and Run Volume Two. Sure. And I was like, this is like, this is better than like, not saying much. I mean, this is better than like Rave on to the Joy Fantastic, which is like, eh. But I mean, it. He was still making music that was good, and like one one of the things that I I, I, I love about the movie Purple Rain is if you've seen it, there's a scene where. I think it's after he does Darling Nikki. And the, the club manager's like, you know, get that fucking personal booth show off the stage, man. You make music that only makes sense to you. No one cares about mu- your music than, but you. And then you think about it, and it's like, you, you think about it, Prince invented a fucking genre of music because that's what he wanted to play because it sounded good to him. And then he made the rest of the world fall in love with it. And that's just like, fuck, man. That's like, that is like a true artist 
and like a like a, a creator in the purest form. Yeah. Like he he literally I mean, I, I couldn't tell you what genre like like what fucking genre is computer blue? I don't fucking know. No, like yeah. and it, it's just like I mean, that's just how Prince was, is he like he 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 made this insane art and then he 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 forced the rest of us to not only adapt to it but like fall in love with it and i'm just way fucking by i mean i i and i and people you know i i put a video on instagram of me mourning his death but i mean i watched purple rainthers in it after he died and i mean it was legitimate it wasn't just like weeping like oh it's i mean it was like tears like fuck man he's gone I mean, and yeah. we, we saw when we saw Purple in, in the in, in the theater on Monday. It was like he when he comes out. He's like, I like dedicate the song to my father. It's a song. I just fucking tears, like yeah. not dignified weeping, but sobbing, like like a friend died, and that's what it was basically. It's hard because I get that people um, can be iconoclastic and say, "Well, you don't know that person. They're not, you know, your friend. They're not." Whatever. That's such bullshit. But the uh, it doesn't take seriously the importance of art. I get it. If a Kardashian dies and you're crying, then I have to wonder, like, why? Like, what is the impact <laughs> on your life? You know? And, yeah. I, and and maybe this makes me an elitist that I would say that, but Prince created things, and those things had an impact, not just on the sort of popular culture, but on people's lives. People uh, really found hope in what he did because he broke open people's expectations about what was okay, what was acceptable, what was positive or negative sexuality. Yeah. You know, there's just so much going on there that um, I think it's a lot bigger than just, oh, I really like Prince. He's real hot. Like, clearly it was that's so not much what's more going than that. on. Yeah. Okay, we've been talking about this for a while, so I guess we should move yeah. on. But thank you for putting up with it. If you yeah, yeah. If you, like, like I said, if you, if, you, if you don't get it, no amount of explaining is going to get it. Yeah, so that's true. rest in power, Prince Rogers Nelson, and thank you for the fucking perfect music that you made. So what are we, what are we talking about this episode? Um, we are going to be discussing, uh, anthology films. Um, yep. And for those of you, there was a bit, little bit of confusion really when I posted about it, people were like, I, I, like a number of people thought we were talking about like genre, like, Oh, like my art, not genre franchise. Like, Oh, like a couple people were like, Oh, like you should talk about like a nightmare on Elm street and talk about like Friday the 13th. And I was like, Oh, they've can no an anthology. Just, I, I pretty sure we're right about this. An anthology film, um, the same with a book, an anthology of short stories or whatever, an anthology film collects shorter films. So we're going to be throwing around a lot of words like vignettes and wraparound stories in this episode. <laughs> so get ready. Yeah. But yeah, like, uh, these are not uncommon, you know, uh, tales from tales from the crypt or, Tales from, from the Dark, dark side. side. Oh, Tales from the Dark Side is so good. That movie's so good. Yeah, but there's so these these are things that happen. I, so recently, if if you're more of a newer horror fan, uh, the VHS films. Yes. Yeah. Or uh, what's the other series that came? ABC's out? a death. Ugh. Yeah. And not good, but if they're not. I, I'm not a fan, but they. That's an anthology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like so. So the idea is that it it uh, it allows a variety of directors to have input and it's, you know, it's sort of like a, a, a variety of shorter stories. Some stories like they don't have the life, you know, to live. So like think of a great example, creep show. I like oh God, multiple yeah. vignettes in creep show, but if you were like, I'm going to make a long version of the creep show vignette, I might be it like, it wouldn't work. Meh. I, I think this is also true. Maybe of not that it exists, but I could see someone doing this with a uh, Stephen King story anthologies. 
That would be. They actually did. Uh, no, no. I'm sorry. They did. They did a. They did a short story called. Was it the graveyard shift or the night shift? That was based on. That's that's right. what I was thinking of. Right. But they also. I mean, they made they made the mist, which is based on a Stephen King short story. Sure, 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 sure. And um, maybe, maybe Stephen King short stories are better as full length films. But I've thought before, like, well, maybe as a shorter, maybe a few of those stories could be a shorter. Film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Anyways, point is, is that we're wa- we watch two anthology films. Uh, what were those movies again? Justin? We watched Tales from the Hood, which I don't remember who directed it, but it was a spike. It was a 40, 40 acres and a mule production. Sure, 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 sure. And then we watched uh, HP, Lo- the Necronomicon Book of the Dead, which was Brian Yuzna and someone else. It was like he directed most of it, but there were certain segments that were, that were directed by someone else. Well. I'll make sure we have that information up. <laughs> yeah. I, it's not like but, I have a magical device with access to the internet right next to me that I'm I know, looking at. I know. But really quick, uh, what do you think, before we get into these specific movies, we can do a couple minutes on, uh, what do you think of anthology films? Do you think they're normally successful? Well, it depends. Um, I mean, say what you will about the VHS movies. Right. Um, I think two out of the three movies that they made were were good. Um, and I, I think what, what every, and we'll, 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 we'll get more into like when I said earlier about wraparound stories, I, I think there needs to be like a, a thread between all the stories in order for that to be like a good film. You can't just take a bunch of unrelated in some way, shape or form. They have to be connected either in that's style. Inter- that's interesting. Um, like, I, I mean, I'm not a fan of found footage. I think it's an incredibly lazy way of making a movie, but I do think the VHS movies, the first two, again, the third one is. <laughs> what do you what do you think, Kitty? <laughs> interviewing the cat. Uh, the first the first two they 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 the, the thread is that they're all like found these tapes and the wraparound story is that you're seeing the tapes in like a rare VHS like a collector and these kids are like looking at these tapes, which works. Uh, but then you have a movie like The Twilight Zone, which you might know was where John Landis got away with murder when he killed Vic Morrow. <laughs> You might know God that, yeah, damn it. yeah. Um, <laughs> but like those, that's that's an okay anthology movie. But the, the movie, there's no real connection going on there. So you miss that connect. What about a movie like Creepshow? Creepshow, I think, is good. Um, I, I I think it works if only because it's like stylistically, like there's the whole comic book art of it. Oh, that's and then right, you're seeing right, you're right. you're seeing what you're seeing is like advertisements from the page. It's like an kids. aesthetic connect. Oh, yeah. and I think there's a point where he's looking at a comic book. Right? Yeah, there is like okay. the wraparound story yeah. of that. Um, I always forget about the wraparound. I only remember the vignettes and creepy. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember the wraparound at all. Um, uh, Tales from the Dark Side. The wraparound is the children are going to be eaten. You know, it's like and they're telling the witch to, to, to yeah, they're yeah, telling yeah, the yeah. story so she won't eat them right yeah. away. That sort of thing. Or I guess it's just one kid. I say kid. I would say that the wraparound story in Tales from the Hood is the best out of all of them. I think so. Well, it's the only one that features our man. <laughs> Prince's dad yeah. from Purple Rain. <laughs> Fucking old uh, Francis L. Where are you, motherfucker? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I <clears throat> I would say that the I think that'll be something to discuss in both of these movies is how the wraparounds work. Uh, what would you say, assuming it's not these films, what would you say is your favorite anthology horror film? Probably Necronomicon, to be honest with you. Really? If only for nostalgic value, because it, it, I'll be honest, it doesn't really... Like that movie, I I discussed this on the Cinepunks episode I was on, pumping our sister podcast, Cinepunks. <laughs> uh, that movie has a, I have a soft spot in my heart for that movie because when I was way too young to be watching movies like this, you know, my mom or my dad, we'd go to um, West Coast Video out on Butler Street on Friday night and we'd get like two movies and a pizza. And I would always, always get either 
Necronomicon or Seed People, which if you wow. haven't seen Seed People, you should see it. Yeah. And then there was, I mean, it was also, there was stuff like Project Metal Beast, like a lot of the Full Moon productions, but Necronomicon always stuck out to me. And it's not the best anthology. I, yeah, we'll get into it. Yeah, yeah. But it definitely, like, if you, if you ask me, oh, what's your favorite anthology? I will, Necronomicon, right away. It, wow. It's just, because it's like, it's, that's like, I have, it, that has a special place in my heart, like. It's funny, I, uh. I think mine actually might be Tales from the Dark Side. And I and I wonder not and I say that not because I think it's the most but for the similar reason that you were saying that feeling of nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've seen Tales from the Dark Side more. I mean, I saw Creep Show a lot and the, you know, the cockroach one. Oh. Still destroys me. I can't even think about it. like just thinking about it right yeah. now. It's making me uncomfortable. The one that always got me was it, it was a creep. I think it was Creep Show Two, The Raft. Yes, I fucking had nightmares about that. Sure, <laughs> like, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, but something about Tales from the Dark Side. It's so good. And the thing about it is, sometimes when you rewatch something that has nostalgia value for you, it holds up, and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. So watching. Um, uh, a good example would be Maximum Overdrive. Okay. I have nostalgia for that movie. Watching it now, I'm like, oh, it's, I get it. This difficult. movie's not good. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I still, I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But it's not, I can see the flaws. Tales from the Dark Side, maybe for other people, they're like, that movie sucks or I don't like whatever. For me, it's so good. And it culminates in the gargoyle story. That is so fucking good. And the angst of the gargoyle story, it still affects It's me. heartbreaking. Yeah. And it comes completely out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, I remember the first time I saw that, I was relatively maybe 18, 19 years old. Sure. And, like, my girlfriend had just broken up with me, and it was the worst thing in the world. And I was watching this, and I was like, I don't know if it's just the emotional turbulence I'm going through, but, like, this is fucking sad. Right. Like, it's really fucking, like, for a, a movie that's sort of, like, not schlocky, but, uh, like, it, it's a very jarring shift in tone. Mm -hmm. I think... uh it's interesting because we've set a pattern here where there's always one movie we've both seen and one movie you've only seen. Yeah. So I think I think next time I'll have to see if I can pick something that you've never seen before. But uh, as far as that pattern, I really like that we chose these. Necromonicon. Necronomicon? Yeah, Necronomicon. Pronounce it right. The Necroclomicon. Yeah. Necromonical. <laughs> Necro ne Necromonograph. That's, like, that's like, a, like a death metal, like, yeah, steampunk band. Necromonical. Oh, God, I just thought about that, as, and that's a thing I don't want in my life. <laughs> Basically, I had never seen it. I'm familiar very little, but some with Brian Yuzna. Yeah. And uh, as we talked about, society is great. Like, I love society. Yeah. Um, uh, but I hadn't seen this, and I was really glad I got a chance. But I, I similarly remembered the DVD cover, and I remember seeing it at Blockbuster again and again. But yeah, I just yeah. never pulled the trigger on it. Yeah. And I think for me, it's funny now because I love watching schlocky, shitty, bad horror movies. Yeah. And uh, I love great horror, too. I'm not saying I'm, I only ironically appreciate horror. But when I was a kid, I was so nervous that I would rent something, and it would be a bummer. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And I think with Nick necronomicon that was my issue As yeah i saw the cover and i remember thinking oh man that looks crazy and then i thought <laughs> what if it's bad though? yeah and so i think and i'm saying like when i was a kid like i said blockbuster i don't even think it was blockbuster i think we were going to wow video at the time um in south jersey and 
there was a lot of things that I rented again and again because I knew I could trust it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And there were some things my mom wouldn't let me, and I'm kind of glad. Like my mom would never let me rent. I spit on your grave, not <laughs> well, because I hope not. not because she knew it was terrible, but she didn't know it was yeah. terrible. She never let me rent. I spit on your grave because the cover's just this girl's butt holding a knife. Yeah, and she yeah. was like, "Wow, that combines sex and violence." So guess what? No, no, for you, Liam. yeah, that's like, not going to happen. And I was just like, "Look at this cover. This is something I need to watch." Now that I've seen it, I'm like, "I'm glad I didn't watch that when I was a kid. That would have fucked me up." But, um, <laughs> uh, but ne- Necronomicon was on my list of things that I wanted to see eventually, and I'm glad we were able to find a copy to watch because it's not easy to find. We'll talk about my copy of that movie yeah, later on. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're going to take our first break. Um, what are we going to put during this break? We want to do a. Uh, are we going to do the trailer for Necronomicon? Or are we going to do um, uh, Starfish and Coffee? Uh, Starfish and Coffee. Okay. <laughs> so you're about to hear uh, Princess Starfish and Coffee, and then that will lead into probably uh, 30 seconds of the trailer for Necronomicon, <laughs> and then uh, we'll be back. All right. Uh, thanks.
Lovecraft, who inspired the works of both Stephen King and Clive Barker. The most horrible nightmare. A trilogy of terror that combines the spine-tingling suspense of Evil Dead with the sensual eroticism of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Taking you into the bowels of hell. Don't push me away! And beyond. Jeffrey Combs, David Warner, Bruce Payne, Belinda Bauer, and Richard Lynch. Necronomicon, Book of the Dead, a home video exclusive. Coming soon from New Line Home Video. And we're back. We're back. We're back. All right, so we're going to be talking about uh, Brian Yuzna's. Is my saying his name right? Yuzna? Yuzna, Yuzna. Brian yeah. Yuzna's. Brian Necronomica of the Dead. Which hey, is, tell us about this. It is a is it three 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 short stories, uh, all loosely based on H.P. Lovecraft uh, stories. Um, so right there, I love it. Um, and it's the wraparound story is that H.P. Lovecraft himself played to the hilt by Jeffrey Coombs of Reanimator and the Frighteners. Uh, he plays a, he plays HP Lovecraft and he goes to this library to do research and there's these monks of some unspecified mystical order. And he's like, he's like, I need to see the book and you need to do my research. And he goes down to this vault doing his research and the book is the Necronomicon. And then as he's reading it and he's writing out the stories and then they play out. Um, like I said, the stories are all loosely based on, I think the. The first one is very loosely based on the rats in the walls. The second one is loosely based on, I think it's cool air. Sure. And then the last one I want to say is the whisper in the darkness. Um, but I mean, it, it, it's, you know what you're getting yourself into like with, well, so yeah. it's a, uh, Necronomicon is a 1993 film. Oh, 19. Thank you. And technically there's three directors cause each of the, uh, shorts has its own director, right? Yeah. Cause Yuzna did the wraparound and then, I think he must have done one of the stories, too. I, th- I think he did the last one, too. So there's also uh, Shusuke uh, Kaneko oh. and uh, Christopher oh, Christoph Gans. Ah. Uh, as I said, it's a 1993 film. It's a very 90s movie. It is. It is. I, I wish I knew. I think this is something that I would like to spend time sort of understanding. But it feels as if, from my own film watching, that there's this moment in the early 90s where um, there's like a bridge. The computer graphics has not quite come into play. Yeah. You can do some little things on computer, and there's some little things in this film that are on computer, all of which are horrifyingly bad. Like everything that's sort of like animated in the background doesn't look great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But there's this moment where if this film was made in the 80s, it would have been even more schlocky. It would have been oh, yeah. so much rubber and goo and whatever. And there's this, this film is a little in this moment where it's trying to combine the gooey, gummy, you know, we made up an a- apparatus thing yeah. with a little teeny bit of computer stuff. Uh, yeah. Some of it's just camera tricks, but a little bit of like, p- there's a little post going on, but the post isn't there yet. So it feels to me at times just at a quality level of like a Xena Warrior Princess episode. Yes. Maybe yes. not even as good as a Xena Warrior no, Princess. No, it, it definitely um I, I think it was uh 
I want to say it was like John Carpenter said this that like when it comes to like practical effects, sure, you got to know how to shoot shoot. You know, you, you got to know how to balance light and shadow, sure, t- to fucking hide the the shortcomings of it. And I think at times this movie definitely doesn't know how to do that. Um, it's shot very flat. It's very it is. like it, here's everything. Yeah, here's what you're seeing. Yeah, there's there's no there's no creative cinematography. It's and you know it is what it is. It's whatever. Um, but I think the guy who did the special effects for the the last segment, I think that's the same guy. What's his, his name's like? Is it Mad George? I think so. Yeah. Who did, who did Society? And oh, he was involved in this movie too. I want to say because it look because it's the same. It, it it looks the same as that movie, and it looks the same as From Beyond. Like the really, just the, the, the even like the the creature design looks this looks like looks the same. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Some of the, I mean, there. Uh, I think I don't want to play down the effects. There are a few effects that are actually like super gross. Yeah. yeah. Well done. And you're just like, what is that? Yeah. Um, But I think that highlights then all the parts that aren't great. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the, some of the momentum of the film feels like it's derailed a teeny bit by the bad effects. Well, not only that, I I think, I, I think at times this movie tries to reach beyond what it's supposed to be sure particularly in the first and second segments and actually throughout all of it i just realized because in the first segment there's the guy the tragic whatever he is yeah that takes place at an unspecified time in american history we think it's american (laughs) yeah who knows i mean who knows knows when or where the text is yeah yeah, or what that guy does um but it it, it's like it, it was very like there's the scene where he goes to see his wife who died and he just the corner just has her in like a like a fish tank it looks like yeah why is she in that fish yeah tank? and it, it's just like a lot of the romantic sub it, 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 it i mean i get the plot of the story basically the plot of the story was like the guy's like oh my wife died he's he's the heir to a large house on the cliff overlooking the ocean somewhere and and i don't mean i mean they literally never say where it, it could be I think it's, I want to say it's probably New England, but who, know, right. who the fuck knows? It, it, they could have easily filmed it, though, in, like, Oregon. Exactly, It doesn't yeah. matter. But then yeah. it, it's it's revealed that his wife died. He finds the Necronomicon. He brings her back. And, I mean, again, it's a horror movie, so I'm not, like, expecting this, like, masterpiece of fucking emotion and everything. But it, if, it, it felt a little too, like, all right, I get it, man. You're really, like... Well, the, the the extent to which it feels like the movie was trying to be Lovecraftian, besides the gooiness and yeah. the tentacles, was the sort of pathos, like the sort of like, oh, lost love and yeah. forlorn this, and oh, it's so sad. And, and if I can say, uh, I, I this movie is definitive proof that there is, for me, no afterlife, because if H.P. Lovecraft didn't come back to strangle Brian Yuzna for making a movie <laughs> where a white woman is impregnated by a black man, there is no afterlife. Like the fact that Brian, <laughs> the fact that H.P. Lovecraft didn't rise howling from the grave like meh, race mixing meh, to choke out Brian Yuzna, there's no afterlife. The for number me. of times H.P. Lovecraft's racism has come up on this podcast I love it. is ridiculous. Um, no, like. I, 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 this is a movie that's easy to pick on, so I don't want to do it too hard. I, so, we were talking about the wraparound story. Yeah, it, it's it, it's it. I mean, it's very simple. It's not bad. It's very simple. Again, it's just H.P. Lovecraft writing these stories. Right. And the only thing that kind of takes me out—he's not it, writing them; he's reading them. He's reading them. Yeah. In the Necronomicon. In, yeah, in the Book of the Dead. Yes. The only the only thing that kind of takes me away from it, and I don't mean to be all like, hmm, but is that means that I'm being snobby? That's the noise you make when you're a snob. Is that like he is. 
very clearly in one time period. And then he's writing like the last segment take very clearly takes place in like 1980s Philadelphia. And he's like writing in like the thirties. So it's just sort of like, all right, like again, it's not a big deal. We're talking at one point, a woman comes back from the dead and fucking there's things that live, the butchers that live underground, they're aliens. So I'm, I don't mean to like pick things apart, like not see the forest of the trees, but that, that's sort of like, okay, that doesn't really make any sense. Not that Lovecraft's fiction often makes sense, but. So, um, I think, first of all, the wraparound is, uh, I think you were pointing out a lot of it, the issues with it, but part of it is that it's, it's not very interesting. It's not very compelling. No, There's nothing like, about it that I'm like, oh man, what's, you know, what, and again, uh, no, I can't name a single wraparound that's amazing to yeah. any of these movies. Yeah. Um, granted, Tales from the Hood might have the best wraparound yeah. ever. But even that's like, uh, it is what it is. But yeah. it's still, it's still, you know, it's entertaining. This one, there's a scene towards the end, like sort of the climax of the wraparound. That I think is when there, it's cool. Yeah, like it, it reminds me a lot of, and if this this is gonna be, I know this is like the most terrible description of of how something looks, but there's a scene at the end where this, like, you know, the the main priest gets a, he's not supposed to be reading the, the Necronomicon. He's not. He's forbidden, and the main priest is like yelling at him, like it's on its way, Mister Lovecraft, and is like this door opens in the wall. And you see this like weird kaleidoscope tunnel that sounds like the music of Morbid Angel made visual. Like that's just, that's what, that's what it always reminded me of. Like, I just thought it was like, that's like, it is weird kaleidoscope of colors. And this thing comes out and attacks the priest. And uh, that's, it's like, it's this big lead up and it's this really cool thing. Cause you see that the priest is actually this weird creature. He gets eaten and then Lovecraft takes a cab ride home. Right. With the Necronomicon still. And that's it. It's like, well, that and then and then that's how he became racist. Was the <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, the dangers of miscegeny. Oh my god, no. Nah. <laughs> so the the wraparound's not my favorite. The first story has some effective moments, but I also didn't love it. And I think I didn't like the, it because the guy pronounced Cthulhu wrong. Fucking idiot. But also of the three stories, I do think it's the one that's trying to have the most emotional yes depth to it it's the one that's trying to be affecting it's the one that feels also the most like a poe story like exactly yeah it's very it's very it's very it's very gothy and i mean yeah. i mean gothic in, in in the very true sense of the phrase not like i'm gonna listen to joy division and not i mean technically robert smith was there so yeah it was very gothy. <laughs> yeah yeah no no yeah. it's not but it, but i mean it, it was a it was it, it's it's a story of lost love and what yeah. people are willing to do to get that love yeah. back. And there's this undescribable horror lurking slightly out of you. And then, but when I have my, I I think the the final nail in the coffin for it. There's some interesting moments, effects, vomiting, and weird things. Octopi and, coming out of the mouth. Yeah, things coming out of the mouth. There's some things that really work. But the nail in the coffin for me of that thing is when it's reaching its climax and it goes from like morose story of tragedy yeah. to fucking swashbuckling yeah, there's a, hero. Yeah, I, I remember just, he's, is that, he's swashbuckling right now. He's, he's definitely swashbuckling. He's literally swashbuckling. He's swashbuckling. And you're watching it going, what? This is how we're going to end? Is yeah. with the swashbuckle? Yeah. I, I could not. That was not for me. Um, I think I kind of liked the next story, which was... The second the, one, yeah. Th- that, that one, I think, 
like when I was younger, I always like overlooked that. Sure. But I think that one is that one is sort of like what's cool about that is like there's like a little wraparound story in that in of itself. Right. Because it also has the guy who played um, Eddie Kasbrack in the uh, the much overrated adaption of it from the 1990s sure which i hate but that's neither here nor there and you didn't need to know that you're such a monster i am um but th- that that one i think is is cool because it's it, it, it uh i don't the the, the the water bears the tardigrades i think that's so cool and then like it, it's you know it, it also that one i mean it's still kind of hokey the whole idea of love but it doesn't overreach into like melodrama as much as the first one does. Like there's the doctor and he like, he falls in love with the young girl and it's just sort of like, yeah, sure. Two people are in love. They're going to have sex. That happens every day. It's happening right now as we speak. And it, it it's, it's a, uh, it's a lot more palatable. Well, and it's more fun. It's the, the melodramatic aspect to it is like heightened. It's like a kind of dramatic. Whereas the first one just feels so dour and I, yeah. there's not enough there for me to care it's about gloomy. this guy. Whereas this one, it's like, not that there's more to it, but the fact that it's like, Oh, and then this happens and it's so dramatic. Yeah. You're kind of like, Oh, I'm on this boat. Like also, I'm on the ride. It's also, the, the one guy from uh, Alienation plays like the evil stepfather in this. Sure, which is sure. fucking cool. Oh man! And then the the final story. It's weird. So the you know we have the wraparound, which yeah. is about a story within a story. Yeah. Then the first two are both flashback story within story. Yeah, yeah. The third one, though, I liked it in a lot of ways was the least fitting for the theme. You think? There's no story within a story. Okay. There's no flashback, really. Yeah. Um, And it has so much more of a sci-fi feel. Like, even the middle one, even though it's technically a science-related story. Yeah, it's grounded it feels in more science. Like a, it feels more still like a horror story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last one, not that it's not horrific, but I think the modern context... The way it was told, the way it was filmed, none of it felt like it connected as clearly for me with the theme of the overall interesting uh, uh, anthology. That's just how it felt to me, and yet it was enjoyable. Like I liked yeah, it. That one, I, 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 that one, I think the most. So I mean, despite the fact there's like the tentacled monster under the sea in the first vignette, and who is I? It's it doesn't look at all like Cthulhu, but they you know they say his name and he his capital H they say his name and he rises up and grants us a wish. Um, <laughs> he does. He brings dead people back to life. It's a wish. The third one is is all about like and I I love how in the third one they're just like they just mention it in passing like in the basically it's about these two cops, man and a woman. And they're investigating a serial killer called the Butcher, and they're in hot pursuit. They're supposedly in Philadelphia, but they clearly have LAPD. Badges yeah, it's on. not Philly at all. They're under like this long tunnel, like that's not fucking Philadelphia. Um, and they 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 get they they there's a car accident. He gets dragged away. She like chases him into this warehouse, and then she meets these like two old people who are acting sure. fucking suspiciously the whole time. Which is crazy. And she keeps giving them like opportunity after like. Like they keep lying and they keep acting weird. And she's like, well, someone better tell me what the fuck is going on. And then they lie some more. And she's like, well, someone better tell me what the fuck is. And then she like follows them down into these catacombs. And then he fucking says like, yeah, they've been down here since before the dinosaurs. Yeah, there ain't no God. They, they're they putting their chips on a different table. And she keeps following him. And there's like these like horrible tableaus of people being torn apart. And there's like fucking torches. And she's like, man, eh, this, let me see where this goes. 
So it's just sort of like, I mean, that's Lovecraft right there, like the ancient gods coming back. But it was just like ridiculous how like, there's like an old blind woman that comes out and he's like, oh, that's my wife. And she's like, I've never met him before. I'm not married to him. And she's like, well, you too. Let's go down to the caverns beneath and see. Like, it's just come the fuck on, man. Like, <laughs> that one's also vaguely, like, weirdly pro-life. How she's like, it's a mother's duty to protect her child. You violate the sacred order by aborting your baby. That part was a little weird. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's supposed to be in some sense not pro-life like that's part of what makes them villains is that they're like kind of persecuting her yeah but she is weirdly nonchalant about her pregnancy leading up to this moment. yeah she's just kind of like well whatever who cares well, in 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 defense of it she like you find out she's pregnant when her partner completely out of nowhere says god damn it sarah uh, uh, we had one night together uh, baby and then like the car crashes <laughs> like, like it's so fucking like i mean it, there's an extent to which it feels for a lot of it like one of those kind of abstract stories where like that they're not just acting weird. They are surreal. Like what's yeah. happening to her is surreal and it doesn't make sense. And that seems to be part of the horror at first. Yeah. But what's interesting is that the way it ends, it kind of deconstructs that for me because going in, I was just like, she's just in a nightmare world. Yeah. But what happens to her though? Nightmarish is still, very literal. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, there are actual creatures here, and those actual creatures are going to eat you. Now, of course, her experience of that kind of changes as it yeah. goes, like in that um, she thinks one thing is happening, and then it's revealed it's another thing. So the storytelling is still very surreal of this last vignette, but the fact that it's like, no, 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 you're just in this thing, and you're just hallucinating. You're being, your arms are being chewed off by <laughs> yeah. these things are weird free jazz plays and weird that scene jazz. that scene when i was a fucking kid when i was a kid that part where the dude like when he's like sitting there and he's like sarah and he like sits up and he's like fucking flopping sure and you see his head is hollowed out sure that is still the fucking stuff of nightmares for me that is so creepy yeah like oh my god the but this is so i would say this is actually for me mm, prototypical is that what i want to say it reminds me of what I think of many, both Brian Yuzna and uh, Stuart. Yes, it, films. it does. It does feel like the archetypical. Yeah, that, in know. the sense of like, there are every one of these movies has flaws. Yeah, none of them is completely effective, uh, but every one of them, even the ones that you're like, "Ooh, this one's not so great," has those moments where you're like, "Oh, that's fucked up, though." Yeah, they have an edge to them, and I think. I think that's part of the problem with some people with Stuart Gordon is they just want all of his, they want the whole story. Like I've heard people say they don't like reanimator because it's not very frightening. It feels ridiculous. And I'm like, yeah, but it's ridiculous with an edge. It's not ridiculous. Like this is funny. Are you having yeah. fun? It's like, Oh, we're having fun. Like really fucked up fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's like actually going to get even worse. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do feel like with, Castle Freak isn't very fun, so I'll put that out there. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm saying this about Stuart Gordon, but obviously, immediately my brain went, "Well, not so much Castle Freak." Castle Freak is you can't you can't see what I, I just definitely made the gesture of just like fuck it. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I love it. It's Dude, that great. scene where it's, it's standing great. over where he's standing uh, over the blind girl's bed. Oh fuck, oh, fuck. But uh, so I don't obviously if you're comparing. Um, animator to castle freak they 
you know, there's there's threads. Yeah, yeah. They're connected, but they're also in many ways very different. But I do feel like this is where Stuart Gordon films and Yuzna films are vaguely connected in that the way that they do horror maybe doesn't have that feeling of intensity that some people want, like that feeling of danger. Yeah. Uh, but they always have some imagery that you're just like, oh, God, what it's, the fuck is that? It, it, and it like jumps like that, that. I mean, and even like there, there's there's the one scene in, in in that last vignette where, I mean, aside from the the cop with the hollowed out head shaking and balls and drooling everywhere and like vibrating, it's like right before that happens, she's like stumbling through this like chamber just filled with like dismembered bodies, and it's like foggy, and then she's like climbing on an altar and screaming, and the camera's like panning up, and it's revealing she's like in like a, not quite an ocean of dead body, we'll say like a small lake of dead bodies. <laughs> And it's like, it, it's really fucking striking. And I, sure. I, I know we had said before that cinematography was relatively flat for most of this movie, but there's, there's that shot where it, it really, um, it's really like, oh, like it, it's, it's just jarring. And then there's the shot when she's hallucinating that she's in the hospital bed and it's yeah. slowly zooming in on the woman's, the fat woman's mouth. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what? Like, it just makes you feel not scared, but kind of like all right, stop it. Like, I don't need to see that anymore. Like, yeah, it feels like, okay, you're fucking with me now. Like, yeah, this yeah. Is, yeah. Um, yeah. So it was an interesting watch for a first time watch for me. I didn't know what to expect. I think the, the goofiness of the wraparound kind of was weird for me. And especially I, I feel like the, there's like a heightened, ridiculousness to the wraparound especially the way it begins like his portrayal of lovecraft is very like like there's 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 a performance aspect to it my work is only perceived as fiction by lesser minds like yeah it's come on and and then you've got the the monks sort of like what's going on with this guy yeah white guy like yeah yeah yeah. and so that transition from this wraparound that is asking a lot of me and is is doing something that feels almost clownish in what it's doing the transition from that to that first vignette, I think, is the part of the movie that is hard for me. Because that first vignette, then in comparison, is so like, mur, mur, yeah. mur, <laughs> and it just wasn't it, it wasn't that effective. But I think overall, I mean, that's what an anthology is, right? Like, very rarely when you see one of these movies does every aspect work. Yeah, um, I, I think I can only really, th- I wouldn't even say like creep show there's like there the, yeah. you know there, there's i'm trying to think of like the weak link in the creep show i think that the 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 it's not the one with ted danzing fucking leslie nielsen's wife and it's not the one with the cockroaches it's the one before the father's day cake oh that's always the weakest one for me really yeah huh um yeah, I mean, it, it's it's like a, a, like there are very few anthologies out there where, where I can say that each one, like each story, like hits it out of the park. Sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, Tales from the Dark Side is my favorite, but I'm trying to think if there's anything I don't love in Tales from the Dark Side. I love the cat story; that one's good. Yes, there's also cat. There's also Cat's Eye, which is a great anthology, another a Stephen King anthology series. Cat's Eye. Yeah, with Drew Barrymore, where she's the little girl in the... You've never seen Cat's Eye? But it's an anthology? I believe it's an anthology, if I remember correctly. I don't remember. And I, each, each of the stories involves the cat. like. Oh, yeah. And there's a little goblin that lives in the wall. Yes. Yeah. I forgot all about that. 
Oh my gosh. Hey, uh, side note, what you guys should tell us what your favorite anthology is. Yes, please get at us on Facebook or Twitter at the Harbiz 666 and let us know what your favorite anthology flicks. I'm sure I'm missing missing uh, some of them out there. Also, I want to know what 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 are some ones what are some anthology films that you guys don't like? Because I don't know why, but I've heard a lot of people spew fucking venom over the VHS movies. And I'm like, that's ins- those movies, like, the third one, again, I keep coming back to it. The third one was such a, I mean, that, that was like St. Anger level disappoint- disappointment for me. Like, it was so, like, I don't know, but those, those first two, like, the fucking alien abduction sleepover party, that's t- terrifying. And then the, the the weird gargoyle girl in the first one, like I think they're actually making a full length film out of that. Really? I, yeah, like the whole "I like you," like which I think would work because that that was a cool. Yeah. You see, you see, date rapers get killed. I'm all about that. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Um, yeah. So, I think I think I I think I like Necronomicon. I think so far when it comes to Brian Yesen, I've seen Bride of Reanimator. Society and now Necronomicon. You've never seen Return of the Living Dead three? No, he did the third one. He did the oh, weakest one. Man. Well, the weakest of the original trilogy. Yeah, I guess. So what I'm going to say then is, I think I have mixed emotions on Brian Yusna. I mean, Society <laughs> is amazing. Great. Yeah, Bride Reanimator, which is what I was supposed to be writing. That I I was supposed to have a review up of Bride Reanimator on Monday, and I still <laughs> haven't written it because as much as it's kind of enjoyable, it's also kind of bad. Yeah. And so it's hard to just be like, oh, man. Because it's one of those films, in, and I mean, not that anyone cares what I think, but there is a fan base that if someone does come upon my thing, I, I guess I shouldn't feel bad. I shouldn't feel bad for rabid fan bases, but there are people for yeah. whom Bride of Reanimator is a great, they just yeah, yeah. love it. And watching it, you know, I, th- I think I'd seen it once when I was a kid, but I hadn't seen it in a long time. I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, Bride of Reanimator? Yeah. Oh, I want to loan it to you if you weren't living in the past with your fucking Blu-ray. Th- 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 you own a Blu-ray player. <laughs> this is why I hate you. <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, but it's not great. And it, there's aspects of it that are actually really fun that I'm like, oh, this is cool. Oh, this is cool. But overall, I'm like, this is I'm also a bad idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna drive the nail further into your dislike for Brian Nizna. Yeah, because for better or worse, Return of the Living Dead is not a is not an irredeemable film. Sure, there are parts of it that aren't that are are okay. Sure, um, he made a movie a couple of years a couple of years ago called Beneath Still Waters. Mm-hmm. That is one of the worst movies I have ever seen. <sighs> like, I mean, if he had made a bunch of great movies, I wouldn't care because. We're at the point now where late career decisions. Yes, but the fact remains that like Brian Yusnam, like he made one great movie, Society. Yeah, and that's he's fair. treated like a fucking god. You know, like every time you see like a like in October, they do like like Bravo does the 100 scariest movie moments, and they're just like Brian Yusnam, film director. I'm like, he's not even like, you know what I mean? Like he made he 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 was. What was he on the Stuart Gordon movies? He wasn't. Was he a special effects guy or? I I screen. I, he wasn't a special effects. I want to say he was like screenwriter. Screenwriter, something like that. I mean, Bride of Re- Bride of Reanimator, from what I understand from the special features, was the first movie he ever directed. Yeah, and it's rough, but it's not unwatchable. But yeah. it's definitely rough. 
But yeah, I, I so I have mixed emotions on, on Yizna. I think I'm glad we watched Necronomicon, but I don't know that I would like strongly recommend. Like if you're like, oh, I've never checked that if, one out, if, I wouldn't if, say, you got to go see it right now. Yeah, if you if you like anthology movies, I would, and if you like anthology and you like Lovecraft and you like Brian Yizna, then go, I mean, it's it's worth seeing, but it's not a movie like, it's, it, again, I freely admit to most of my love for this movie being for nostalgic purposes. Um, I also love the fact that the the special that's I, I almost called what I had a special edition of it. Just oh, we had a lot of issues watching yeah, this movie. This movie was never released on DVD in America. Basically, yeah. like they released it on VHS, and then when DVD came out, they're like, "This fucking no one's no Justin Lord doesn't need this movie. Fuck him." I had to order mine off Amazon from I, I want to say Greece. I don't I, know. I there was definitely language yeah, involved. It looked like it looked like the worker in Parasite from The Simpsons. Like it looked like <laughs> like there. <laughs> Like the cover art had something that wasn't in the fucking movie at not all. Not at all. Not even and, close. And like, there's all like it's like weird, just like, not even like a different language, like a different fucking alphabet, like Cyrillic or something like that. No, yeah, I, I was thinking it was either Greek or Russian. Yeah, and, sure. and then we like we put it in Liam's like PS3, and it's like does not support it. Like it didn't play. Like we had to use like a, a region. We had no. We had to watch it on YouTube. Yeah, we watched it on YouTube. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that the copy on YouTube was any less quality than your DVD. Though. Yeah, like, but I mean, it, it really is like that's like I have all these like I, like I don't like owning bootleg movies. The only ones I have like um, I'll I'll get something like there's a I feel bad I don't know the name of the company but they do transfers from VHS to DVD and every year at Monster Mania they have a stand and uh, some of these movies are now being released on DVD so you know I go out and get them but. I mean, I can't find Project Metal Beast on DVD anywhere, so I had to buy it from there. And uh, House 3, which was starring Lance Hendrickson, which I thought was Shocker when I was a kid. Oh, um, yeah. Like, stuff like that. But this this movie, like, I own a couple movies like that, and this movie, the, the packaging is so awful. I'm like, I, if it was possible for me to be embarrassed, I would be embarrassed by it. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh I guess what I I guess what we could say is a if you own this movie on VHS, hold on to it. Yeah, Don't get no, rid of that VHS. It is it, it is the archetypical VHS horror for yeah. me. Yeah, but I do think if you you know this is a film that maybe at some point is due for a Blu-ray. I mean, if if I wasn't already aware of the kinds of movies that were coming out on Blu-ray, yeah, then I would say, well, it wasn't that great. I can see why it's not out. But when you have a fucking like special edition Jeepers Creepers box set, or yeah, when you have. Like some of these other, like, uh, you know, Shark, uh, not uh, uh, Scream Factory put out like a double, um, what was it, Metamorphosis and oh, I forget what the one, Beyond the Darkness. Yeah. And Beyond the Darkness is like a, a European, like, unofficial third sequel to Evil Dead. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. way. So when the, you got shit like that coming out on Blu-ray, you're kind of like, well, Necronomicon, yeah, the time has come. It because, I mean, be it, it, it's not like it's directed by people that no one knows about. I mean, right. again, like I just said, Brian Yuzna, tab it overrated, but people know who he is. Sure. And then like Stuart Gordon, pe- there's that connection. And then it has Jeffrey Combs in it. Yeah, I mean that's I, and and even though the Jeffrey Combs section is not my favorite in the world, just having him in it playing Lovecraft is like there's just something neat about that. Even, yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah, I think uh, I think you know if you get a chance to see it, great. But if you're someone who puts out Blu-rays and you have the opportunity to license you, Necronomicon, you, you can use my Greek or Russian copy as <laughs> maybe that's the thing they can't find a good copy to transfer well, they're not going to find it in mine so 
<laughs> All right. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk about Tales from the Hood. Uh, I think we'll probably just play the Tales from the Hood trailer. Yes, because if I remember correctly, it's awesome. Oh, so cool. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we, we'll have a lot to say about that, so come on back. Let's roll, In this neighborhood is a house where souls never rest. You're invited to share their secrets. I've been waiting for you, boys. You're invited to share their tales. Unless, of course, you're scared. Tales of madness. <laughs> of revenge. The girls don't want you there. They want reparation. <laughs> of horror. He thinks he needs to kill the monster. Now, your most terrifying nightmare and your most frightening reality are about to meet on the streets. And this is a trip, homie. Only need nothing from no house of dead folks, okay? Death. It comes in many strange packages. The producer of Menace to Society and executive producer Spike Lee will take you to the outer limits of the inner city. Welcome to hell! <laughs> Tales from the Hood. Chill. Or be chilled. Hey man, I don't need to be hearing this, man. Written and produced by Darren Scott. Written and directed by Rusty Kunda. All right. And we're back. We are indeed back. Um... So we're going to be talking about one of my favorite anthology films. Uh, I didn't list it as my absolute favorite, but it is one that I've loved for a long time. It's up there, yeah. 1995's Tales from the Hood. It's so good. It's so good. I, I can only imagine what the trailer... I, I haven't watched the trailer, but you I, I remember it being a little kid and being like, yo, that's pretty cool. Like, right? It's so like... And it opens up. <laughs> it opens up with a skeleton wearing sunglasses smoking a joint and holding a gun like you can't go wrong with that is he That's holding it he has, he has a gold tooth with 666 on it too <laughs> it's it's unbelievable if if you haven't seen tales from, so tell us a little bit about right. tales from the, the hood the wrap was around a, okay so tales from the hood starring uh david allen greer rusty Cundiff, who also directed it corbin burnson and clarence fucking williams <laughs> The third. The third. And Rosalind Cash in her last film, her last film role, as uh, Liam pointed out to me. You might know her from The Omega Man, where she plays the most uh, sensual aspect of that movie, an unbelievable part, next to Charlton Heston crying over hippies. Like, hey, sure. Char Charlton Heston, ooh, a, a, an attractive black woman. I'm going to follow her. I'm Charlton Heston. I'm known for my... Uh, you know, tolerance of other people who aren't <laughs> like me. I better investigate this. Sure, 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 um, sure. So the wraparound of the story is like these like three gang bangers. Yeah. Drug dealers. They go to this funeral home and it's <laughs> to buy. They, 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 they could, it's revealed that the funeral director who's played by Clarence Williams is he found drugs in the back alley and he found the shit. <laughs> right. The, the shit. shit. And he's like before giving them the shit. 
he's telling me, he's like, oh, look at this coffin. There's a dude, like, let me tell you how this guy died. And then that's the wraparound story. Sure. Is like, you know, he's like, oh, this young man, he died this way. Let me tell you how. Oh, and this young man, he learned a hard lesson this way. Hmm, yes. Um, and it's, I definitely think it's the, the most compelling wraparound story. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's entertaining. Yeah, it goes somewhere. It has connective tissue that makes sense in what's going on. Uh, and it allows for some of the best overacting I've ever seen in one of these movies. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I just expect, like, it's just like Clarence Williams watching this. Like, man, we need the shit. He's like, ah, oh, yes, the shit. I could give you all the shit if you only believe in me. I would die for you. <laughs> it's like, there's a little you purple ring. Shit. You're, you're, <laughs> up to your necks. Yeah. Like, it's so, like, it's one of those movies where his overact, his overacting, and I love it. Don't get me wrong; I'm not criticizing at all. No, but yeah. it's 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 amazing, and it's like it's definitely. I hate people who watch horror movies and they're like, "Well, if I was in this, I wouldn't do that." But like, I watched that movie, and I was like, "If I was those fucking guys, I'd get the fuck out of there right away." Yeah. By the way, this guy's talking. Yeah, like he just first off, he looks fucking insane. Like, and then there's a, here's a doll that comes alive and kills people. Let me tell you how it comes alive. And then they're like, okay, we're going to listen to this, but we're going to get fucking drugs at the end of this. And it was like, all right, dude. Like, I mean, spoiler alert, they can't get away because they're not in a funeral home. They in the terror dome either. They're in hell, motherfuckers. Clarence Williams as Satan, by the way. so good. So, yeah, I mean, if you, you know, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen these movies, sorry, but, you know, just. Yeah, yeah. But Tales from the Hood. I would say a lot of Tales from the Hood works for me because, unfortunately, a lot of the things with which it deals are just as present. Yes. You know, it's a film in which there is police corruption. Yeah. You know, there's uh, the legacy of racism. Yeah. There's, you know, a a lot of the danger of poverty and uh, domestic violence and the complications therein and even the <clears throat> the story that deals with domestic violence has a lot of elements in it that are also about there's a sense of like uh threatened masculinity and oh, yeah. you know those sorts of things and it's complicated um i think we both felt that the last the only part of the anthology not that it doesn't work the story still works yeah. it's an effective story but the last part of the anthology um, not the end with the wraparound, but the last vignette. Yeah. It's my least favorite. Um, I mean, I, I kind of, like, I think it works overall. It's definitely right. necessary because it, it completes the wraparound. Right. But it's very, and I said this to you, and I'm not, I mean, I, I'm as, as, a, as a white person, I have no right to tell people of color how to make their films. And as a Spike Lee film, this def, there's definitely a lot of commentary on race relations in this movie. And some of it is done very well. I don't think that section was. Because, like I said to Liam, there's one part where the, the the plot of this vignette is there's this there's this he's like a he's a hoodlum or whatever, like a criminal, crazy K. He's this young black kid. Yeah, and he he shoots an enemy, and then the cops shoot him, and he gets sentenced to life in jail. And then Rosalind Cash is this doctor who's pioneering this uh, like dramatic, you know, cutting edge uh, rehabilitation technique. Yeah, and she says like oh if you if you if you if you go through this rehabilitation technique we'll let you out if we can if we can fix you we'll let you out yeah and she puts him in the first part of this she puts him in the cell next to this white supremacist 
And um, who I want to see what else that guy is in because that dude is fucking amazing and terrifying. Yeah, the actor is good. He's so good. Yeah. And he's sitting there and he's like, at the end of times, there will be a great race war when all the N-words will be slayed by my white brothers. But I like you. I like you. I'm going to keep you alive. You're going to be my pet. And then the character Crazy K like punches him in the face and he's like, let me ask you a question. Those people you killed, what color are they? That's what I thought. So it's like, I didn't get this because I know what the filmmakers are trying to say, but I could very easily see some fucking asshole being like, yup, black on black crime. See, black people are talking about it, so I can I can make the accusation too. Well, I think it's very representative of the 90s. Like, one of the things that gets lost, there's a lot of, like, as we all know, and this is not a show in which we're interested in getting particularly political, but um, there's a lot of critique of the Clintons and yes. uh, the crime bill. and. Personally, I think it's justified critique, whatever. Uh, but it's important to remember historically that the the crack, the getting hard on crime thing, yeah, split in a large extent the African American community. Yeah, and there were plenty in the African American community who were pointing out, like, "Hey, you know, not that we're pro crime, but getting tough on crime often just is a way to attack the black community and actually yeah. ends up creating more crime because yeah, yeah, yeah. without uh, there being people around with opportunities who are feeding into the community, things just get worse yeah. and crime becomes more necessary as a way to survive. Uh, there were definitely people, but there were also a lot of people who were like. This killing's getting out of control. The gang thing is getting out of control. Uh, we need to get tough and send these killers and these hoodlums to jail. We need to send them to jail. And so, unfortunately, that's how this this part comes across. Again, not that anyone wants to be pro. No one's pro gangs. And yeah. No one's pro like mur indiscriminate murder. But I do think that uh, the way that this is this particular vignette is done, it does come across a little bit like, yeah, fuck those, you know, this is what's going on. And, and I get it, like, as an inter-community conversation, right, it might be effective. And no, in fact, that, even that yeah. idea works overall. But you're, that one character, the saying, what you're doing is like what this white supremacist wants to do. It doesn't work for me. Like watching it, I was no, like, no, no, no. I was like, no. Nah. It's actually not the same as what that guy. Yeah, it's not the same at all. Yeah, you know. So, um, but again, it's weird that we went straight to the one that I didn't like. But that's the only one. I think every other aspect of Everyone this movie is amazing. It's great. It's yeah. so good. Like, I mean, and it works on like every level. Like the first, the first vignette is about like the um, the first one's the one with the city councilman that the cops. Right. Yeah, that one is like first off, Wings Hauser is in it, so it's like insane and over the top and like perfect '90s asshole. Wings Hauser is, I think, <laughs> so underrated uh, in the sense of I only know him from a few things. Yeah. So I know I'm missing out on what he's famous for, but the things I know him from are all fucked up, and he plays fucked up characters. Yeah. And it's great. Uh, I just thinking that I just think about him from the corrupt cop to the pimp ramrod i think his name is ramrod advice uh squad so whatever the point is is that he's redonkulous in it oh yeah and that whole story works really well oh yeah so like the first one is just about like there's this um city there's like this young black cop he witnesses three of his white co-workers you know these three white cops played by wings hauser michael massey who you might know from the crow he was the guy who unfortunately was the um, the actor who pulled the trigger in the event that killed Brandon Lee 
And then the guy that isn't Zed who but fucks <laughs> Thing Rames in Pulp Fiction. Like the pawn shop owner. Like that fucking guy's in this movie. It's so funny because we were watching it and I'm seeing this guy and I just look over at Justice Lord and I'm like, that's that's the guy that's not Zed. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, like and he plays like he he he's definitely like the the subordinate like they're like right, right, you know right, the right. guy who is kind of not comfortable with what's going on but he's like I'm more afraid of these cops than I am of this guy like right. so basically they they kill this city councilman um they frame him they like shoot him up with heroin dump him his body in a river and then it flashes forward a year later and this this the one cop who wasn't white is like now like an alcoholic he's despondent like out of the job he gets contacted by the spirit of this the, the city council member. Is bring them to me. He leads the cops to this guy's grave. Guy rises from dead. Mayhem ensues. It yeah. has a real. It has a real uh, Candyman feel to it. Yes. Yeah. And that it's you know that this level. It, 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 there's like a fairy tale thing where it's like this level of quote unquote evil is really about vengeance, and it's like justified. Like no yeah. part of you is like I don't know. The I hope those cops get away. Yeah. 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 You're just like yes, get them, get them. Yeah. And I love that. It's so different. It's such a different story than some movies go for, where it's just like, uh, you know, a, 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 an easy comparison would be Nightmare on Elm Street in the sense of like Freddy Krueger is an avenging spirit, but if it's done right, you never feel bad for Freddy. Yeah. Like, even yeah. though you know, like, well, maybe what happened to Freddy was a little over the top, you're like, no, he's the bad guy. Yeah. In this, you're like, yes. Get him, get, get yeah. him, get those cops, fuck them yeah. up. Yeah, it's great. They, the cops, he's like a city councilman who wasn't even like, he was just like, yeah, I don't like corrupt cops. And they're like, beep, 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 beep. Well, I guess we're just going to murder you, Yeah, we're going to beat you to death and shoot you up with fucking heroin and drive your car into a river. And then, so he's just killing these guys in amazingly creative ways, might I add. Mm -hmm. He pulls Wings Hauser's head off, which is fucking delicious. Oh, yeah. And then he uh, castrates the other guy for pissing on his grave. And then Michael Massey, he... Is crucified basically into a painting. Yeah, into a painting after after being shot up with telekinetic drug needles that the <laughs> fucking guy throws at him. And then I love the um, I love the end when the 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 remaining cop who's like the black guy who's like, oh, I I, I did what you told me to do, brother. And dude just grabs him by the throat and goes, "Where were you when I needed you, brother?" And then like, oh, he's in an insane asylum. And but that that one that one when I was little, I I remember that one seeing that particularly the scene where they're driving down the street and this thing is like walking behind him and i was always like oh my god like and then when they blow the carpet and he's burning i'm like oh whew, he's dead like he's not gonna come after me because oh, he's yeah. dead and then it was only like later on that i because it was sort of like he wasn't a bad guy but he's dead he's back from the grave grave he has to be a bad guy so when i was little i was like oh he's scary but watching it with you i'm like that that's pretty cool he's killing yeah. he's killing corrupt cops that's well, there's, awesome there's a real to the first three vignettes, there's a real folksy. There's like a like a folksy feel to it. There's like a fairy tale. Yes. You know, it's like guy from, back from the dead to avenge the injustice, yeah. or the kid having this the evil stepfather. Yeah, yeah. There's this evil stepfather. He's like a monster, and the kid uses this sort of almost like magic. It's like a like a communal wisdom magic. Yeah, yeah. And then even then the the third one with the dolls, like that's there's this like magic. That one is way over the top folks. Oh yeah, yeah. So I think there's all this. The the last one isn't so much that. The last one is almost in a way a weird riff on a clockwork orange. In the sense of yeah, like, okay. we're gonna we're gonna give you this chance, but but uh, Clockwork Orange is like a, a a cautionary tale about overreach. This one's like you have this chance, you have this chance. It 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 
it becomes metaphysical and fairy tale like when you realize, oh, this is his last chance before he's dead. Yeah, so yeah, it, yeah. The whole thing almost has like a God feel, or not like in a strictly Christian sense, but in the sense of like you have this moment maybe where you could choose the right thing before it's you. It's almost die. like a what was the um an, an occurrence at Owl Creek? Oh, right, very right, right, right. like in your last and. I, I think that one is like I mean for for is like questionable as some of the some of the commentary might be that last scene where she's like begging him is really oh, yeah. powerful it is it is like it's it is. really and he's and he's completely fucking unrepentant like I, his last words are literally I don't give a fuck right. over and over and over again as he gets shot up like um but. I mean, it, 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 another thing I like about this movie is that it has like a lot of some of the characters are like cartoonish and weird. I mean, obviously, fucking Corbin Burnson, is right? Just like Corbin Burnson is the best slash worst in this. He is so fucking insane the whole time. Side note: his uh, assistant who ends up passing away early on, who was also in the movie Deep Cover. I love him in Deep Cover. So seeing him in this, I was like, oh, this guy! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love this guy. He's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, 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 but I also, I, I, I was telling Liam, like I always, even as a kid, when I was seeing this, I always thought that, um, the teacher in the second, but the, the, the second plot, the second vignette is about a little boy who's abused by his, he, he, he always shows up at school with these bruises and he's like, oh, it's the monster does it, the monster. And the, he's like, you know, the school teacher is the, he's, it's the director, Rusty Cunley, if I think it's pronounced. Sure. He does a lot of stuff with Spike, with Spike Lee, like. He's such a good guy in that movie. Yeah. Like he definitely does the he you know, I what's wrong, kiddo? Come on. And he's like, I mean, you know, he does like the the embodiment of like an actual helpful school teacher. Yeah. Um, and then I I, I mean, it's I don't know how serious I can take that vignette because it's David Allen Greer trying to be like like beating like a little kid up, and you're like, it's David Allen Greer. I'm not afraid of you at all. Like I don't know. I think there's a real rage side to David Allen Greer. Oh, yeah, I think that works for me. It actually that performance in that film influences how I see his comedic work. Really? Yeah. I. It's weird because I know I'm supposed to associate him more with uh, Living Color. In, that's in Living Color. That's exactly what I see him from. Which, which I did. I saw in Living Color, but this movie makes me think like, oh, now I understand the underlying rage to all of his performances <laughs> in Living Color. Now I see it a little bit differently that he actually is a little bit angry. A little yeah. Bit. And honestly... I'm sure if we cast him in something now, he would do much better as the seethingly angry nice guy as yeah. opposed to the legitimately nice guy. Like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, something about his... I mean, I get it. Like, it's also hard to take him seriously because he's so ridiculous in Living Color. Yeah, but, but. I mean, the, the thing is also, I mean, let me be clear. He does do... Like you said, the seething. He, I, I, I think he does the seething. Like, because there's the scene where he's talking to the school teacher, and he like turns and he says, "I'll have a talk with him," and it's just like it's not much. It's like four or five words, but he, when he says that, it's like it's not like. I mean, it's not this amazing acting job by David Allen Greer, but it's like it's so fucking menacing. Sure, and it's not like. I'll have a talk with him. Like whips his glasses off David Caruso style. Like it is just, I'll have a talk with him. And you're like, man, that kid's going to get fucked up later. And it's right. like, and then, but then it delves into the realm of cartoonish. And he's like, motherfucker, don't tell him. And it's like, all right, dude, we get it. Like you're David Allen Greer. Like I can't take you seriously at all. Like, I don't know. It works for me. Like I said, the, the, the only thing that was hard for me was that, that last one. But I do the, 
I maybe what works for me with the David Allen Greer uh, vignette is that that MacGuffin of the paper, you know, like it's, that thing of the. It's so good, and like you said, it's so emotionally satisfying. Yes, you know? it's so just like fuck yes, finally like a happy ending that isn't like they're with strings attached. You know what I mean? Like, I guess that's what it is, is that, um, the only vignette that for me was not emotionally satisfying is that fourth one. Yeah. That there's something about the first three that they're not, not, none of them are perfect, but each one I was like, yeah, yeah. The good guys in some way, shape or form won. And I, sorry, I feel like he's going to sneeze. Yeah. (laughs) I guess what it boils down to is that, and I've talked about this before, Oftentimes, horror in which there is an emotionally satisfying ending, yeah, where a hero triumphs, is something I don't enjoy. I find yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't pay out well. The, a lot of those horror movies were, um, are what I guess in some sense you would think of as the victim. You know, the protagonist is a victim. Yeah. But then they find that hook, that thing that's going to help them conquer. It's going to help them win. Yeah. It oftentimes turns horror into an adventure film. Yeah. It's too convenient and it's yeah. like, it's too linear. Like I, I like, um, I, I, I like horror where it's just inexplicable and there's right. no rational. But what happens in those first three vignettes is that um, even though it's not, it's not the simple thing of a hero triumph. It's that oftentimes the universe has a way of writing itself. Yeah. And that way is the horror. It's horrifying yeah. that now there has to be this justice that comes well, through. You also, know? I mean, it, 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 I mean, keep in mind that these are four undeniable morality tales right. wrapped around with another larger morality tale. One which is not, uh, as effective as a morality tale as it is ridiculous because Clarence Williams is ridiculous. <laughs> but everything about Clarence Williams still works though. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. It works really well. I mean, well. he's definitely like his his performance at the end is like I mean there's nothing I can say about it that's like Oh right. The shit. shit. Like I mean, look, Tales from the Hood does not, I think, offer you know, maybe like blessedly does not offer that much to like analyze. There's uh, nothing. It, it's it, it has drama to it, but I don't know that it makes a lot of sense to like deconstruct the film in some ways. But it's so good. It's so for me. Again, it's goofy. It's a silly movie in yeah, a lot yeah. of ways, but it's so effective. It's what it's trying to do. It yeah. makes me so happy. I mean, I, I kind of do think there's. I mean, it, it's it's a little on the nose when it comes to, to sure. some of the subject matter. Sure. I mean, there's a scene where a white Klansman, white clan, as opposed to the black Klansman out there. <laughs> there's a scene where a white supremacist is literally eaten alive by tiny black dolls that's a little on the nose you know what i mean like but it's so but good. it's so good yeah it, it's like it, it just that i mean i think that's what the beauty about this movie is is that there is a lot of deep subject matter that can be unpacked but it's done in a way that's palatable easily easily digestible and it doesn't you don't have to watch it and be like I should take something away from this movie like you can watch this movie and enjoy it strictly as a horror movie right i mean you and i don't because we're we you know, that's, I, I tend to be a little over analytical and political, but, but it, that, that also works for this movie. Yeah. Though. I mean, like even, even when, when this movie came out, I think I was like 11 or 12 and I watched it and I, I was still like, that's pretty cool. Like that, that's yeah. really neat. Like those, those guys got, that guy got what's coming to him. Like, oh man, that little right. kid, he like 
the bad guy who, you know, like side notes, kind of, I remember watching the movie with my dad when I was little. And yeah. that scene, my father was abused as a child. So yeah. we're watching that movie and I'm like, my dad's watching it. And I'm like, yeah, get him. My dad's like, that's right, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. And now like later I'm like, oh man, my dad was probably sitting there being like, just like having like yeah. flashbacks of his childhood. I'm like, yeah, get him. Like, <laughs> if only I had that yeah, paper. If only I had the paper and Rusty Cunliffe to beat up David. I mean, I mean my, my, my dad. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man. Well, yeah. Uh, Tales from the Hood is great. It's amazing. I, if this, you have, if you haven't seen it, I would de- definitely recommend, recommend it. it. It's, it's a, uh, and also the best, the best line in the movie, aside from "You'll be knee deep in shit," and anytime Clarence, okay, the best line that isn't uttered by Clarence Williams is in the very beginning when they're knocking on the door and they're like, "Man, what if some dead motherfucker comes out?" I said, "Man, just shoot his ass." I said, "Man, how you gonna kill something that's dead? That's like refried beans." Why don't you just fry those motherfuckers up right the first time? You don't gotta fry them again. Oh my like, god, that's it's so like they're they're like they're like marijuana induced like just dribble is so perfect. It's so good. Yeah, this is this is definitely like a really fun movie. And uh, again, let, let's let's not forget it's still scary. Yeah. Like it, it it it's I mean it's not it's not scary at like a crazy level, but it it's effective. It gets on your skin in certain aspects. Yeah. And it's good. It's well done. And it has Clarence. I mean, have we mentioned that Clarence Williams is in it? Clarence Williams is where are you at, motherfucker? Yeah, but it's yeah, it's 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 not Purple Rain, Clarence Williams. No, it's not. It's kind of sad. Yeah, we we don't see the tortured romantic Clarence Williams that we we don't see the tortured <laughs> Purple Rain or uh, I'm sorry, computer blue writing Clarence Williams that we see in Purple Rain. Yeah, but rather a more unhinged, uh, devilish Clarence Williams. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, I guess we're gonna wrap up then. Um, well, we should let's let's let's. Uh, I would like a there's there there were a couple. Like, it's been a minute since we've had a podcast so there was a sure. couple things i wanted to, to discuss let's do it um first things first liam and i were uh in parentheses on parentheses fortunate enough to see 10 cloverfield lane in theaters i forgot you were gonna talk I was about this. so mad i was so fucking mad you've probably seen it by now go see it it's worth i mean i'm gonna spoil it for you because fuck that movie <laughs> if you haven't seen it i guess you should i don't even think it's in theaters anymore i hope not i sincerely i hope that movie fucking lost money oh my god i hope that movie lost money just like you want to talk about like like I, I, okay so i i'm am i one of the few people who enjoyed cloverfield yeah i am yeah um i really like cloverfield i think it's you know i i thought i i hated the guy who had the camera the whole time that he was in deadpool um so when they they like announced that there was a another movie connected to it I got excited. I didn't want like an explanation for what had happened in New York. I but the idea that there was a movie about something else that was happening in that universe, I, I enjoyed. Liam's getting donuts. Are there purple rain donuts? Oh man, they're not vegan, are they? Fuck. Prince would be sad about that. Um, but no, the fucking end of that movie, like it was this really, it was this really big suspenseful buildup to no for nothing for no payoff, like a shitty ending. Like, Some people like the ending. Yeah, they're fucking idiots that they like the ending. <laughs> I mean, okay, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that you're dumb if you like this movie. But for you, it didn't. The end didn't work. The, no, it was so. There's a lot of tension. There's a lot of buildup. Amazing performances by everyone in this movie. Yeah, John Goodman is terrifying. This. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is awesome in it. The guy, other dude, he was good in it. There but was some. What part? Let's get into it specifically. What part didn't work for you about the end? Uh. I didn't even mind that it, it wasn't aliens, that it was aliens. It was just that they, they'd hyped for, it's called 10 Cloverfield Lane. 
I was hoping that there would be some tenuous connection to the clo- events in Cloverfield. Really? That didn't bother me that much. But I mean, I, I think maybe maybe it, it just seemed kind of cynical to me that it was just like, we have like a movie that we can't market, so let's just call it 10 Cloverfield Lane. And you know, and then like the, like it didn't even, okay, the, there's aliens, whatever. I, my feelings on aliens are well documented. I don't like them. But then like, there's this fucking scene at the end where like, she's at a crossroads, like an actual crossroads in her car. Right. And it's like, the sign is like, go straight to Houston or make a left to Baton Rouge. And they're like, if you have medical training, come, she hears on the radio, the aliens, blah, blah, blah. If you have medical training, come to Baton Rouge. If you want to fight, come to Houston. And the, there's, I, there's this like, really unnecessary fucking pulling on her face. And then she goes straight because she's going to fight. Because she's a fighter. And I may have literally yelled, like, I, I think I may have actually, like, fucked this movie. Right. Like, it was just so, like, god damn it. Like, yeah, her coming out, her facing off against this alien threat, all of that was fine for me. I get that some people thought that's where it went off. It was actually the very end, the stinger of, fuck, now I'm going to go and I'm going to do it. I don't need any of that shit. Leave that it's behind. It's so fucking corny. Oh, so like, stupid. Like, and it kind of, and again, I agree. It ruined a movie that was so tense and so... Dude, that fucking scene where they're playing charades yeah. and John Goodman's like, I know where you, I know what you're doing. I can see you all. Like, that was like ball-explodingly terrifying. Right. Like, fuck, man. I just, I just, un- yeah. like... Didn't work. Didn't no. work for me. Oh, the other thing I want to I want to talk about briefly is because I I I be and you, you I, I I drink the tears of fanboys. I love fanboy fury and sadness. It just sure, it gives me energy. Sure. It's how I wake up in the morning. I don't eat food. I go on the internet and read comments and comic book resources. And oh, people hate Ben Affleck and Dawn of Justice. I can go about my day when I'm nourished by that. Uh, did you see the Walking Dead finale? I did not. Yeah. Fuck. But do you, let's I no let's not oh, talk God about damn it. it. God damn no, it. No, 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 no. I can't. I can't. Okay, okay, okay. I watched it. Oh, I need to I know I'm behind. You need to watch fuck it. me. But here's the thing. Tales from the Hoods from 1995. Yeah. So the fact that we just ruined that for you if you haven't seen it, fuck you. This is at least in this year. Yes, this was a, like uh, I'll just, I will watch it. We'll do it the next episode. Yes, we will cuz I next episode of Hard Business where we'll talk about Walking Dead just briefly. Yeah. And it'll be good. It's Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Mm. So, uh, as usual, I think we have a lot of thank yous just to say, like, thank you for checking it out. Thank you for telling your friends. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you to the people who've said to us, hey, I really like their yes. show. Thank you to people who've submitted things to Cinepunks, to writing, if you you know want to hit us up, yeah. whatever. And uh, look soon. I mean, I think we're getting to the point. That we're gonna have some hard business merch, and I would I would be okay with that. Yeah, yeah. So. Nothing, nothing is nothing as delightful as this, uh, <clears throat> this say you love Satan pin. Nothing is delightful as the say you love Satan pin. Another podcast that we're I'm now a fan of. Yeah, but you know, hopefully we, we, it's a good show. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it will be. There's there's yeah. there's no way that's not a good show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what the fuck was I gonna say? Um, but we'll have something. Keep yeah, an yeah, eye yeah. out. But you know, like we, like you said, go on to iTunes, hit subscribe. That's the number one thing. If you like any podcast in the world, subs- even if you don't listen over iTunes, subscribe on iTunes. Yes, that's great. The, that's review. The thing. Describe or is- or describe. <laughs> You know, just subscribe, whatever. I'm, I love that, though. Write a review. That would be even better. Yeah. Uh, if you're on Stitcher, we're on Stitcher. Check that out. Um, I think we're going to eventually be on... I think Google Play has a, has a 
podcast thing. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to submit for that and whatever, whatever. But, you know, even if you're like, well, I just listen on the website, that's fine. That's not a bad thing to do. But if you can click subscribe, if you can give a rating, that's the thing that really helps a podcast. Grow. Yeah. And, and just again, we're on, we're on a, we're on Facebook. We have yep. a Facebook page or a Facebook group or page or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, even if you just generally like, Har, I'll go in there and I'll share something like, you know, just, oh, this is something interesting happening. Here's a yeah. trailer I like. So, yeah. I, I like to get people to talk about things, and um, we're, we're I, I really want to get. I've, we should really do an episode with some. We're bringing a guest on, or just watch. Oh yeah, we were we were actually going to do that. We we're going to have um, Jenny Dreadful on, and uh, um, Alicia from uh, uh, is it Graveyard. Yeah, Graveyard, Graveyard Shift Sisters. Sisters oh, you know, we're going to try to have that. And she also does the Girls Will Be Ghouls podcast, yeah, which yeah, is a great yeah. podcast. So, um, and we would love to. We want to start having guests on. You know, it's we, we, we record irregularly, so uh, but we're going to get to that point where we start having Yeah, yeah. On. And, we're, I mean, it's all even if you just want to come watch a movie with us and just share your thoughts yeah. when you talk, we brought so-and-so with us. I mean, yeah, literally yeah, yeah. anyone. I will, you know, yeah, I love this. Totally. And as always, uh, I just want to, I, I miss Josh Alvarez. He's the man. He's we the fucking him. man. I love him so much. To, oh, I've, we're recording on May the 4th, which is uh, the three-year anniversary of Cinebunks. I saw that today, yeah. 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 He called me today and let me know that he, you know, he loves me. He's and adorable. I love him, and we're so glad that this I, is a thing I'm so sad I didn't get to see him play oh, last right. week. I walked yeah. in literally, literally as he was walking off stage, oh, no. and I was like, fuck, man, I'm sorry. Traffic on 76. So, all right, we got to go, but we love you. Uh, please tell your friends about us. Mm. Ta. Uh-huh. <laughs>